You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. doesn't say about Easter. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video. The true message of Easter, Passover, is not the celebrating of a rite which is ineffectual, but the sacrifice of Christ through the shedding of blood, bringing forgiveness of sins and the triumph over death by resurrection. Our subject tonight begins a look at three notable events that are celebrated each year. Easter, Halloween and Christmas. Easter and Christmas are well-established Christian celebrations. Halloween has only recently in the last 20 years or so found a place in Australia. All three events are celebrated, not just because of what they mean and represent, but more so because they have become a huge money-making event for advertisers and retailers. So the purpose behind the three talks is to briefly analyse these events and consider whether people who say they believe in God, say they are Christians, should be involved in celebrating them. And immediately you might be asking yourselves, why would there be any question about celebrating Christmas or Easter? These are central celebrations for Christian churches. On what basis would we suggest that Christians shouldn't celebrate these events? Well, the answer to that is that the basis of any discussion on religious matters to do with Christianity ought to be the Bible. The Bible is recognised by the majority of religious leaders as being the inspired word of God. And yet the tragedy is that even though the Bible is God's word, it isn't given the authority that it should. True Bible teaching is not what is preached by the churches, either Catholic or Protestant. And the reason for that is because it it is church tradition and not Bible truth that is the focus of Christian faith today. Every denomination has a history of tradition, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, And those traditions, which they say are based on the Bible, vary between one church and another. And sadly, the consequence of that is that people people become delusioned. How can so many churches that all agree that the Bible is God's word, how can they differ so much between each other, and worse still, be so astray from the Bible? You may have seen the result... You may have seen the results of the recent census in Australia released a couple of weeks ago, and one of the significant issues was the news that Christianity has dropped under 50% of the population for the first time in Australia's history. That is a huge drop when you consider that in 1911, when the first census was taken, 96% of the population ticked the box as being Christian. So in just a little over a hundred years, Christianity has fallen by half in Australia. 
Why is this the case? Why are more and more people becoming disillusioned with the church, abandoning the Bible and prefer to be identified as non-religious? Well, over the next three weeks, we want to address that question amongst others by showing you the reason that the reason lies squarely at the feet of the religious leaders of the churches who do not give the Bible the respect and attention it deserves. That's why the subjects over the next three weeks are posed in the negative. Church teachings have shifted from preaching the truth of the Bible to preaching their own traditions and making that fact by using Bible stories to endorse their philosophies. And we're going to see that tonight and on the next two Sundays. In fact, what is disturbing about the church's involvement in these three festivals is that the traditions upon which these festivals are founded are embedded in paganism. You may be surprised by that, but it is true. And we're going to see that connection tonight in considering the festival of Easter. But before I do that, I want to begin by looking at the celebration of Easter. Because unlike Christmas and Halloween, the word Easter is found in the Bible. You won't find the word Christmas in the Bible, even though it is meant to be a major Christian celebration of the birth of Jesus as described in the Bible. And you definitely won't find the word Halloween in the Bible. But the word Easter is found in the Bible. However, our subject title, What the Bible Doesn't Say About Easter, implies that even though this festival is mentioned by the name in by name in the Bible, the way it is celebrated today religiously and commercially is completely astray from what the Bible says about Easter. There are a lot of things that make up the Easter festival that are not based on the Bible. There are a lot of things that are done during the Easter festival that are not endorsed by the Bible. So even though the word Easter is in the Bible, all the things associated with Easter are not. The Bible says nothing about Easter eggs or rabbits or rabbits ears or egg hunts, all of which are highly promoted and paraded as essential parts of the festival. The word egg is found eight times in the Bible, six times describing the eggs of a bird, two times to the eggs of a snake never used in the context of a religious festival. The word rabbit is not found in the Bible. The word hare is found in the Bible twice, and in both references identifying it as an unclean animal, not associated or used in any form of worshipping God. What about hot cross buns? Well, hot cross buns were first introduced in 1361, when a monk from St Albans in England by the name of Brother Thomas Rodcliffe developed a recipe called the Alban Bun and distributed it to the poor on Good Friday, the day that celebrates the death of Jesus Christ. Well, again, the Bible doesn't refer to a hot cross bun. However, the Bible does have something interesting to say about the baking of cakes or buns for the purpose of celebrating some religious feast. In Jeremiah 7 verse 18, the prophet refers to the baking of cakes in a religious context, but Jeremiah condemns the practice because it was the practice of pagans who worshipped idols. 
Jeremiah describes how pagans baked cakes and buns for their idol god, the Queen of Heaven. This goddess is identified as bearing the name Astarte. It was an Assyrian goddess. And interesting that the name Astarte has a similar sound to the word Easter. Highly significant in tracing what is done at Easter time today, back to Assyrian paganism, where exactly the same thing was done. But of course, the Christian Easter isn't what Jeremiah is directly referencing, although he helps us to identify that there is a connection to past pagan festivals. So the fact that the Bible doesn't say anything about those elements that make up Easter illustrates just how false the festival of Easter is in context of Bible truth. And that is even more obvious when we consider what the Bible does say about Easter. So let's turn to the Bible itself and let's address the question. Where is the word Easter found in the Bible and what is the Easter of the Bible about? Let's have a look at what the Bible says about Easter because Yes, the word Easter is found in the Bible. And yes, we are instructed to observe Easter in contrast to the other two festivals that will be considered in the next couple of weeks. But is the Easter of the Bible the same Easter that Christianity observes? Now we know that what the Christian Easter is about. Religiously, Easter is an annual Christian festival which celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The festival traces Jesus' entrance into the city of Jerusalem. It reenacts his crucifixion and it celebrates his resurrection and ascension into heaven. The festival begins the week before the event proper on what is called Palm Sunday. The term Palm Sunday is a reference to what happened when Jesus rode into Jerusalem for the last time before he was arrested and crucified. Jesus came to Jerusalem riding a colt and the people strewed palm leaves on the roadway and cried out to him, treating him as if he were the king. The festival concludes a week later on the following Sunday celebrating Jesus' resurrection. Each year the Catholics celebrate Mass to mark those events and the Protestants hold sermons depicting and retelling the story. In summary, the main purpose of the festival of Easter is to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, celebrate the defeat of death and become buoyed by the hope of salvation. People remember that Jesus died and was resurrected to heaven and that this victory over death and resurrection to heaven is a hope for those that believe in Jesus. That's what the churches would say is the Bible's meaning of Easter. So let's have a look at that. Is Easter a once-in-a-year festival where people remember that Jesus died and was resurrected? Is Easter for Christians a yearly reminder of the hope of salvation? Well, you might be surprised to know that although the word Easter is found in the Bible, it is only found once in the Bible in our reading tonight. The word appears in the New Testament in Acts chapter 12. And the chapter begins with detailing the execution of one of the apostles and the arrest of another. We'll read the first four verses again. Now about that time, Herod the king 
stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church or ecclesia. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So this Herod, who was ruler over the area of Judea, arrested and killed James and would have done the same with Peter, except that in verse 4 we read that he delayed because of the time of Easter had come. What is, the Easter refer- what is this Easter referred to here? Well, clearly it can't be the Easter of today's Christian beliefs because Herod delays the exec- execution of Peter on account of it being Easter and that this was a feast that would be celebrated in verse 3 by Jews, not Christians. That means that the word Easter in verse 4 is not referring to the Christian feast. Neither Herod nor the Jews mentioned here believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. But in verse 4, we read that they were observant of Easter. The word Easter here is referring to a Jewish feast, not the Christian feast we know today. This Easter that was being celebrated here was not about the death and resurrection of Jesus, because neither Herod nor the Jews believed that Jesus had risen. We know that because they had already we know this because they had already executed one man that believed in Jesus and would soon kill another so what easter is this the answer is found when we consider the original greek word that is translated easter in english the greek word is the word pascha and that word is referring to the jewish passover The word is translated in every other verse in the New Testament, and there are 29 of them, and they're translated as the word Passover, referring to the Jewish Passover. There is no reference in the Bible to the Christian Easter celebrated today. In fact, the King James Version of the Bible is the only translation that has Easter in this verse. Every other translation has Passover or Feast. Easter, that is the Easter festival celebrated by Christianity, is not referred to in the Bible. So in the context of our lecture title tonight, what the Bible doesn't say about Easter, the Bible doesn't say that the Christian Easter is something that should be kept. The Bible doesn't refer to the Christian Easter that churches celebrate. So where did the Christian concept of Easter come from? The answer to that is, as we have already seen, is that the Easter is celebrated by the churches and it has its origins from paganism. And that is reflected in the English word Easter itself. The word Easter has its origins from Anglo-Saxon writings and is associated with the worship of the pagan goddess Eostra, the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring and fertility. And we saw earlier how that one of the rituals of Easter can be traced back to Assyrian times. But the modern day festival of Easter dates back to around the 2nd century AD. Idolatry and pagan worship are widely condemned in the Bible. The Christian concept of Easter is not found in the Bible or promoted as a festival to be kept. 
the Easter that is kept today by Christianity, that is a remembrance of Jesus' death and resurrection, giving it a religious flavour, and is celebrated by Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and hot cross buns, is not a Bible teaching. So let's come back to our question on the screen, what the Bible does say about Easter. The Bible does refer to an Easter, as we see here in Acts 12, but it calls it a Passover. What is this Jewish Passover? Did Jesus keep it? Are we commanded to keep it? To answer these questions, we begin by coming back to Exodus chapter 12, where we read of the first Jewish Passover being kept. Exodus chapter 12 tells the story of how the Israelites who had been enslaved by Egypt for over 400 years escaped Egypt and left on a 40-year journey to the land of Canaan, which was the land promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Canaan is the land known today as Israel. In the chapters before Exodus 12, God sent nine plagues against Egypt to convince the Pharaoh of the time to let the Israelites go. God turned water into blood. He sent frogs, lice, flies, moraine, boils, hail, locusts and darkness to Egypt to make Pharaoh let the people of the Jews go. Egypt, uh, sorry, but after each plague had been removed, Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let the people go. All nine of the plagues targeted the gods that the Egyptians believed in and showed them up for being no gods. But finally, God determined to strike all the gods at once, including Pharaoh himself, who regarded himself as a god. The final plague would finally convince him to let the people of Israel go. It was going to be a plague of death of all the firstborn in Egypt. This plague would affect all who refused to acknowledge God as being the true God. Now, although this plague would come over all the land of Egypt, there was a way by which those who believed in God could escape the plague and save their firstborn. The, w the way this could happen was if those that believed in God followed a specific set of instructions. And those instructions are given in Exodus 12 by God. So let's read them beginning at verse 3. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbour next to him, un next unto him, sorry, next unto his house, Take it according to the number of the souls, every man according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper doorposts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. 
and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Well, that was a lot of verses to read, so let's briefly summarise the main points. In verse 3, we read that on the tenth day of the month, each family or household were to select a lamb. In verse 5, we read that the lamb had to be without blemish and a male of the first year. In verse 6, they had to keep it for four days and then kill it on the evening of that day. In verse 7, they are to collect the blood in a bowl and then sprinkle it on the two side posts and the top post of the door that leads into the house. In verse 8, they were to eat the meat that had been roasted with fire, with unleavened bread and herbs. The Israelites were to eat the whole lamb, and anything they couldn't eat was to be burned with fire. And this had to be done with the view that they were going to depart the land. They were dressed for the journey with their staffs in their hand because in verse 12, I, that is God, will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. This whole ritual that they were to keep is described in verse 11 as the Lord's or God's Passover. Now I want you to tuck that expression in the back of your mind because I'm going to refer back to those words in a moment. The Passover that Israel kept was called God's Passover. So important was this ritual that God commanded that it should be celebrated every year. Verse 24 to 28 reads, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass... When ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. The feast of Passover was an important feast. And it continues to be an important feast in the Jewish calendar year, even today. The feast is held at the same time of the year in which the churches celebrate Christian Easter which shows how the church tradition has some basis on the Bible, even though it is astray from it. The Jewish Passover is a feast to remind Jews of the miracle of the children of Israel leaving Egypt to go to the Promised Land. This moment in history gave Israel an identity, an assurance that God was with them and is with them, that it doesn't matter what nation or power might oppress them, 
Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, Germany, Russia. God will save them if they believe in their God and trust in his power to save. God would save them, but only if they recognise there was a far more significance of the Passover than just saving the people of Israel from Egypt. When we consider this ritual closely, it isn't difficult to identify the significance of what it represented and that there was a greater saving that was being enacted here than just from Egypt. The children of Israel were in Egypt. Egypt was a place of disease and death. God had a way out of Egypt, a way that they could save their firstborn sons. It required that they take a lamb and sacrifice it. It required that they take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it on the door that leads to the entrance of their homes. It required that they stay inside that house with the blood on the door, that they ate the lamb and then waited, ready to hear the call to leave Egypt behind. That story is a story of God's plan to save not just Jews, but all who would listen to God's call. Egypt as a place of disease and death represents the world we live in today. Our world is filled with enormous problems, socially, politically, financially, environmentally. Worse, it is filled with people who don't want to know or accept that there is a God. In Australia, the number of such people is growing. Less than 50% want to know God. God can't save people who don't want to know him or accept him. He can save us. In the story of Israel's Passover and their deliverance from Egypt, there is a cameo of how God can do that. God wants us to come out of Egypt and to find shelter with him so that we are protected and covered by him. How does that happen? Well, in the story of this chapter, it happened by those that wanted to be saved to follow meticulously every detail of God's instructions. Every detail of the Passover they kept had a significance which we haven't got time to develop fully because it's not our subject. But in the same way God has laid out instructions for us, detailed instructions concerning what we need to do if we're going to be saved. Those instructions involve an association with Jesus Christ who is represented by the lamb that was offered in the Passover feast. In the ritual of the Passover, we read of the blood being taken and sprinkled on the doorposts. By that means, everyone that was in the house was protected. Similarly, similarly when Jesus was crucified, we read, that his blood, we read that his blood was shed. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we are told that Christ is our Passover, who was sacrificed for us, the us being people who believe in God and want to share in God's salvation. So clearly there is a connection between what happened here in Exodus and what happened when Jesus Christ was crucified. And I'll come to what that means and how that works in a moment. But before I do that, I want to come to the second question that we had earlier. Did Jesus celebrate this Passover? The answer to that is yes. If you come with me to Luke chapter 2, we read of the first time that Jesus celebrated the Passover. 
So Luke 2, verses 40 to 42. And the child, that's Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So at 12 years old, Jesus went to celebrate the Passover feast. And I want you to notice something interesting in the end, at the end of verse 42. The record says that Jesus' parents took him to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. That word is important because it hints that the Passover that God instituted back in Exodus 12 wasn't being regarded by, with the importance when God first gave it. Not by Jesus or his parents, but by the general populace of the Jews. Now, you come to, if you come to John chapter 2, you'll see how significant that word custom is in the context. In John 2, Jesus begins his public ministry and he selects the Passover as the time to do that. John chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Jesus comes to Jerusalem to keep the Passover. But notice what we're told the Passover is called in verse 13. It is called the Jews' Passover. Remember what the Passover was called back in Exodus 12? It was called God's Passover. Why has it been changed from being God's Passover to the Jews' Passover? The answer is because of what we read in Luke chapter 2. For many of the Jews, it had become just a custom. The true significance of what God's Passover meant was lost. Look at what we read in verse 14, what Jesus saw in the temple. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changes of money sitting. The Passover had become commercialised much like the Christian festivals of today. Instead of the true meaning of the Passover being understood and the people responding to obeying God, they had made the Passover a financial profit-making exercise. That's why Jesus, in one of those moments of righteous anger, overthrew the tables and drove the merchants out. It was because they had abandoned the true meaning of God's Passover that was prophetic of his life, death and resurrection, the way to salvation. God's Passover, as we said earlier, was about showing the Jews that he would save them from Egypt. Well, here the Jews are in the times of Jesus, enslaved to another power, Rome. And instead of seeking God to save them from that power that was just as evil as Egypt before it, they embraced Roman life and they declared we have no king but Caesar. They rejected God and they crucified his son. The Jewish Passover was as irrelevant to God as the Christian Easter is today. And that brings us to the third question I posed earlier. Are we commanded to keep the Passover? To answer that, I'd like you to come to Luke chapter 22. 
In Luke chapter 22, it is the eve of the Jewish Passover. And Jesus has taken his disciples to an upper room. In that room, Jesus explains to the disciples how that he is the Lamb of God's Passover, that his blood was going to be shed, and that by his sacrifice they would be saved, and that God's Passover was now to be kept in a new and more meaningful manner. Jesus was not cancelling out God's Passover of Exodus 12. He was going to fulfil it. By his action of fulfilling God's Passover, Jesus was going to institute a new ritual that believers of all nations needed to keep. Luke 22, verse 14 to 15 reads, And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Notice in verse 15 that what Jesus was introducing here was not a Jewish thing. It was not a custom. It was this Passover or God's Passover celebration. A Passover of bread and wine. Verse 19. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you. Jesus took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and told them that the bread represented his body. He took the wine and gave it to the disciples and said, This wine represents my blood. He told them that his body is given to them. He told them that his blood was shed for them. What did he mean? Well, let's come to 1 Corinthians 10, where the Apostle Paul describes the significance of the Passover that Jesus instituted in the upper room with his disciples for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The Apostle Paul here explains the meaning of the ritual of the Passover that Jesus instituted. Notice he uses the word communion or fellowship or sharing. That sharing isn't referring to the sharing of bread and wine amongst a group. The sharing is between Christ and individuals. When Jesus passed the bread to each individual disciple... He was showing them that they wanted to share that if they wanted to share in the salvation God was going to accomplish in him, then they needed to share in the meaning of his body and blood as individuals. When one of the disciples took the bread that Jesus that represented Jesus' body, they would eat it and declare that they would endeavour to follow Christ's example. Christ put his body to death because it was the body of human nature that was driven by lusts that lead to sin. Jesus never sinned. He kept the lusts of human nature in control. He put them to death all his life. To share the bread which represents Christ's body means to share that goal with Jesus, to try every day to stop ourselves satisfying the nature that is driven by lusts. I see, I want, I take. And to do that, 
because that is what God wants us to do. Because God cannot sin. Christ allowed his blood to be shed because the blood represented his life. And his life was dedicated to his God. Jesus always committed his life to obeying God's laws. God's ways were not just rituals, not just a custom for him. He knew why God required a person to be holy, and he achieved that perfectly in his life. To share the wine, which represents the blood of Christ, means to follow his example of devotion, to endeavour every day to manifest God's righteous characters to others. And to do that because that is what God wants us to do. Because God does it for us every day. So how often was this Passover, God's Passover, reinstituted by Jesus with a far more obvious connection to his life? How often was it to be kept? We'll come back to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, this Passover was to be a weekly event, remembering the death, burial, resurrection and ascension of the Lord. And not only remembering, but participating, sharing in what the rituals represented. So what is it that the Bible doesn't say about Easter? It doesn't say that we should observe or celebrate the Christian Easter, which has its origins in paganism, and which is not mentioned in the Bible at all. What the Bible does say is that we should celebrate Easter or more correctly, the Passover that is of God's approval and instituted by Jesus Christ. And in celebrating it, that we understand and apply the principles that are personal to us and not make God's Passover just a custom. If we do that, God promises us to save us out of this world that has all the characteristics of Egypt and Rome of the past that we might share with Jesus the kingdom that he'll set up on earth. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others 
Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.